Hey folks, welcome to Pivot Point. My name is Joseph DiBiase and this is my podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Pivot Point. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great show for you today. Before I get there, I, you know, how many of you are dealing with, I, I want to say burnout, but not like burnout, but like COVID burnout. What I mean is, well, maybe the best way to explain it is since this all shut down, since we went on lockdown back in March of 2020, I haven't left town. And, um, and now, I mean, I am itching to get out of Dodge. So much so. <laughs> now, I'm going to wrap myself out here. So much so that I was at Costco the other day doing my, I don't know, bi-monthly pickup of stuff. And um, I'm in line. It's a Saturday, so it's got a lot of people. And I see these two customers at the checkout counter. And there was some shenanigans going on. I, I don't know what it is. I'm not going to... I just don't know. And, and But what I did was project onto them some story about them, I don't know, maybe just rigging the system, if you will. Somehow they're playing the game. And I just said to myself, I am just so tired. I am done. I am out of here. <laughs> All of that because I projected a story onto people. And who knows? They may have just been fine. <laughs> And that's when I realized this dude needs a break. I need to get out of town. Really, though, I've started to talk with some friends, and a lot of people are feeling the same thing. It's like, you know, here we are at the end of August, about to enter into September, and I'm like, I couldn't tell you what month. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, September. What does that mean? When I was a kid, it meant fall. The leaves are going to be turning. Maybe we'll play some football outside or something. But sure enough, soon it's going to be skating on the pond because it's going to be cold. Those are the things that I like doing. But here, it just means another day and another day and another day. So why am I bringing it up? I'm bringing it up just to let you know that's what's going on in my world. And I believe there's a lot of us out there that are going through Groundhog Day every day since the beginning of this shutdown. And, and also, we're looking at another one, right? I mean, I don't think we'll go that far because there may be enough people vaccinated. But I don't know. So... All that to say is, if you're feeling at all like I'm feeling, take a break, take a walk in the park, take a nap outside, do something, do something that's going to change it up and give that perspective, because I know that's what I'm doing, um, and it helps. It really, really helps.
All right, on the show is Kathy Vu. Kathy is an actor, she's a hand model, and she's a designer. And I say these are the things that she is. It's really this is what she does for a living. She's much more than those things. So her story, well, her story is one of hope, survivalship, perseverance, and, um, you know, it's funny. I, 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 I struggle to find the right words because I don't want to, like, give you too many spoiler alerts. So maybe it's just best for me to say, let's go on with the show. You're going to enjoy this ride. And at the very least, you're going to hear about what really matters most in life. I know we're talking about the arts, and I know we talk about expression, and I know we talk about how to support ourselves, uh, not just financially, but emotionally. And this episode is an amazing story of hope and perseverance. I know I'm repeating myself, so here we go. Kathy Vu and I talking it up. Take it away, Kathy. How are you? I'm good. I've been looking forward to like connecting with you and I've been thinking a lot about things that I want to share in terms of pivot points. And so you've been on my mind a lot. So it's good to see you. Good. Thank (laughs) you. You too. You too. And thank you for all that um, resource information. There's a lot to dig through. I appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome. I know it's just trying to find the right information, but it's all about finding the right fit. And you might find it in, I mean, in the most indirect ways, but hopefully it's a start. Yeah, it is. It is totally a, a great start. You just never know how you're going to connect with somebody and who's going to be the right fit, but you definitely won't have that right fit if you don't try. <laughs> so, you know. That's so true. I really believe that you yeah. never know till you try. And also I'm guilty of this really trust your gut and your instincts. If it doesn't feel right, you may not understand why it's not the person could be amazing mm-hmm. but any cues or any flags you see even if they're like yellow or orange yeah i don't know don't ignore those and i've ignored them so many times so definitely listen to your instinct about how someone feels how they yeah. make you feel yeah um in addition to like of course the technical stuff yeah you know? yeah yeah uh, that is so so true um well let's get cracking here um tell me now where are you from where were you born Sure. Born and raised in Seattle, Washington. Okay. So I'm first generation Vietnamese. Okay. You, do you have siblings? I do. Okay. And are any of them in the arts as well? I actually don't know. Okay. <laughs> I will dive into as to why I don't know things. No, that's um, fine. Right? Yeah. But I don't know, actually. Honestly. Okay. All right. Well, tell me then. So tell me what's up there. What, like... 
where does your artistic expression come from? How and when did you know you wanted to go into acting? And you're also doing design work. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to guess that my artistic like inherent artistic expression may have come from my mom. From what I remember about her, I, I don't know her very well. Um, she, I do remember memories of her taking a lot of photos. She was, she actually had a camera. She would do photography. Um, she also was very into makeup. And mm-hmm. so she would do makeup um, on people or on me and on herself. And she's a very like beautiful woman. Um, I've, <laughs> I've always been told, Oh, it's too bad. You don't look like your mother. I'm like, Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Or they'll say, too bad you look like your father. I'm like, oh, by no. the way, but obviously she definitely has a canvas that I don't have, but she um, artistically, she, I think she had an inherent um, creativity and maybe that's where I got from because mm. it was definitely not nurtured as a child mm. for sure. Um, but she was into photography and into um, being a makeup artist. Mm-hmm. Um, she, for money or professionally. I think it was her own hobby Mm -hmm. from what I could recall. And I was just simply like the canvas for that as a child from what I could remember in my early childhood memories. Um, So as a child, I first, I don't know how it started, but I do remember always drawing and sketching and um, painting. um, And I would get these material. I didn't really have toys or things at home. So I would get these materials from school. And for some reason, whenever we had these art classes, that was just where I lost myself. Mm. I would um, submit myself for art competitions, like poster contests, and I would win them or submit a story and create, um, write a story and draw some illustrations to go with them. And I would submit them for these, you know, your classroom contests, and I would yeah. win those as well. But I never thought that I had a talent for it. It's just mm. what I did. Mm-hmm. So I never thought I had any special skill or this was anything unique or special about me. It's just what I did. So I've always, as a child, drew like we all did, but I did it to the level where I would actually submit them and win competitions for them, but never really thought anything of it. Mm. I didn't think I was special or talented in any way at all, to be really honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so that in terms of creativity in general, general creativity, that's how I felt like it got, it was foreseeded. Um, but it definitely wasn't nurtured in my family. Artistic pursuits, endeavors, creativity definitely was not encouraged. It was actually discouraged. Oh, wow. So I would kind of do it in private. I would always sketch and draw. And as I got older, I continued and elevated to like charcoal drawing, fine art drawing. Really? Uh, yes. But to be honest, I never knew I would grow up to become a yeah a graphic designer illustrator user experience designer that was never part of my plan sure so well, th- those but, things didn't exist back then okay you know? yes well i didn't know you could make money <laughs> yeah <doing> things creative <laughs> yeah 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 so i'll pause there but that's kind of to answer your first question when and how did that get seated mm. um that those were my first memories that's amazing and it wasn't encouraged so something else must have been encouraged what else was encouraged was it academics? Was it? Yes, definitely academics. You know, now I'll preface that. I, I, I believe, you know, most and all families want their child to pursue academics and, and be successful, mm-hmm. however that looks for every different family of all cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not uh, uncommon for people who are from immigrant backgrounds or my family. Uh, my parents 
um, were refugees after the Vietnam War. So they did not meet in Vietnam. They met actually after they um, escaped from Vietnam into the U.S. Mm -hmm. My father by plane, from what I could recall, I could be wrong about this, but I think because my father was wealthier, came from a more um, affluent background, they could afford to fly Mm -hmm. into the U.S., which is into Washington. My mother actually escaped by boat. Wow. Um, and she almost literally missed the boat from what I could recall from something that was mentioned. And so she made it to Washington. They met. Um, so this is back in 75. Uh-huh. And then they met somehow. Um, they both had sponsor families, I, I assume. And then they met and then had me um, uh-huh. a few years later. So that was why I was born in Washington, because when they escaped from Vietnam, they landed in Washington based on that's where their sponsor families are located. Mm. So with that said, that preface, um, education and being able to assimilate into the Western culture Mm. to be able to earn money and make a living Mm -hmm. is very important for people, especially of um, that background, no matter what culture you're from. And also, even if you weren't, if you grew up poor, which Mm. I did. Mm -hmm. um, So even if you are American and born in the U.S. for you know, many generations, if you grew up poor, education becomes very important and things that you knew would guarantee to make you an income for a long period of time is what would be desirable. Yes, sure. So those very high level, not high level, I'm sorry, that's, um, but those professions that seem secure, quote unquote, but really no job is secure to be really honest, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But yes, academics was very important. Um, and so anything that was creative was just like, it's a hobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously. So therefore, I never believed that such a thing existed to become an actor or to be an artist or designer was even an option because I didn't know you could make money off of that mm. as a living. Mm-hmm. So then did you end up going to college or was that un, uh, not affordable in your family at the time? That might be, uh, which I will completely share. It's not a very straightforward answer. Um, So it was interesting. As much as education was important, and since my father came from a wealthier background, um, his family could afford education. They are actually mostly Ivy League League educated. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom's family, um, I couldn't even tell you if either of them went to college. My Mm -hmm. father himself did not go to college or Mm -hmm. high school or, you know, so I'm actually the first in my immediate family to have a college education. Um, I'm, I think I might be the only one. I don't know. Um, cause I do have siblings, but I am estranged. So I don't really know mm-hmm. the full story. We can dig into that when mm-hmm. you find it's appropriate. But, um, so yes, as a child, education was important, but also I was also responsible for taking care of the home and raising children my sib- my half brothers. So there's a bit of a thing that happened as a child, but to answer your question directly, um, I was encouraged to, you know, be academic and, and excel in school. But the conflict was that I also wasn't expected to go to college because I was also deemed by my family, my father, you're too stupid. You'll never, you'll never get into college. No one will ever accept you. There's a lot to unpack oh. here. But I to answer your so question, sorry. it was a, it's a very, uh, me too. And yeah. it's a very, not straightforward answer, 
I'll give you all the answers though, but I wasn't expected to even make it to college because I was deemed too stupid and not smart enough and not even desirable as a candidate because I didn't have anything to offer or give. And so I was told you shouldn't even bother applying for college or scholarships. So the rest of my life was like, I think I might be a stay-at-home, not mother, but stay-at-home caretaker for the family and work for the family, make money for them and raise my half-brothers and stuff. So um, I wasn't expected to go to college. Wow. But I did. Yeah, and we'll good for you. Yeah. I did. And I finished eventually. <laughs> <laughs> good for you. There's so many questions that I that I want to ask here. Um and and maybe they are they apply because I, I think they do. When we grow up and how we think of ourselves so influences how we walk and talk and be in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it comes to expressing ourselves, there's also a thing that has a worthiness to it that I'm worth expressing. For the longest time, I never thought I had any kind of story. Mm. I mean, whatever my story was, I would just say, who who cares? Who would want to care about my story? Um, And of course, later in life, I found out that everybody's story is fascinating. Mm. Everybody has something to offer. And when people start to tell us that we don't have anything to offer, those would be the red flags that we've come to learn to recognize that um, that's just a projection and we don't have to own that or listen to that. So all that to say is there seems that you've done some work, personal work, to get through what seemed to be a, and I'll coin it like this and you can tell me if I'm off, but very highly patriarchal society construct in your family that was intended to keep you down, Cinderella, (laughs) you know? Mm. You know, it's just a little bit, that's what it reminds me as you were talking. It's like a Cinderella story here. Yeah. I've, I've, I relate to that story because I definitely had the evil stepmother and uh, evil adults in my life that, Mm -hmm. um, and I wonder, and let me know if I should give you kind of like, we'll try to give you a concise background in my childhood. Feel free to talk as free as you want. This is casual. and Oh, sure. Because I realize there might be some holes and like, wait, what? (laughs) So I'll, I'll start like, so so obviously, um, I mentioned that I was born and raised in Seattle, Washington, um, to both parents who were refugees from the Vietnam War. Um, my mom abandoned me when I was six or seven years old. Uh, so then I was left with my father. And you never forget mm-hmm. that feeling. Mm-hmm. And I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. Even just mentioning it. With a little frog in your throat, right? Yeah. So to your point to what you're saying, they stay with you. Mm-hmm. All those first impressions as when you're told or things happen to you, they stay with you forever. Mm-hmm. And they are a part of your story. So my mom abandoned me when I was six or seven and left me with my father. My father is was 
I, I mean, I don't know him now, but um, ab very abusive. And this is beyond just disciplining or like, you know, smacking around. This was beatings. Mm. And so that was what I was born into. I was born into a life and childhood up until I left for college eventually of violence and abuse and um, not only being the victim or survivor of it, but also witnessing it. Mm. Um, and, and then just on some elements of just torture, it's just, I don't use that word lightly. I, I am wow. very mindful of not mm. exaggerating any experiences to take away from other people's. It was definitely, I am surprised I'm even alive today for with all that I've gone through as a child. Yeah. When my, when my mom left me um, or us, I was, and my father was stuck with me. I actually have a, a brother, a full biological brother. Mm -hmm. He was a few months old at the time. So she took him with her and left me behind. I as we can create any kind of stories sure, about sure. why, you know, logic, you know, I was self-sufficient. He was a baby. My father can take care of a, either two kids or a child and a mm. young child. So maybe she took the child because it made more sense. But at, when your mom leaves you, you don't see it that way. You think I was left because I was the least loved. Mm -hmm. I remember we moved around a lot. So we weren't living in our own home. We were actually living with a different family for some reason. We moved around a lot. And my mom, my father was not in the military. I don't know why we moved around so much. But at the time when my mom left, we were living in someone else's home in Houston, Texas. I don't know why we were there. I was at the kitchen counter. And my mom was holding my little brother on her hip and holding a suitcase in the other hand. And she said, I'm going to the store. And I'm like, oh, can I go with you? And she's like, no, but I'll be back. I go, okay. And bye. I mean, I saw the suitcase, but I didn't make the connection. Mm, sure. When she never came back, it was nighttime and it was the next day and the day after. And at some point I realized she was never coming back. Of course, my, my father had figured out what happened, but I still didn't understand because people don't explain things to you as a child when you're seven years old. And I would gather all of her shoes that she had left behind and hug them because they were all oh, that I had left gosh, of her. Kathy. So you live your entire life feeling like you did something wrong that made someone leave you and you did something wrong that you weren't enough to keep mm -hmm. or take with mm -hmm. them. I lived up for the rest of my life. And mm -hmm. I would also be, ha I would also have that thrown in my face. Um, lies that were told by my father saying, well, your mom left you because left us because of you is not true. No, it's I not know true. that. Yep. But when you're yep. a child, you believe anything people tell you because sure. one thing about being a child is that you take things at face value, which is a beautiful thing, mm. but also could be a tragic thing. When mm. things, when people do things to you and say things to you, you don't have any other idea that it's anything else but that. Mm -hmm. so I actually believe that my mom left me because it was my fault. Because my dad, when he'd get angry at me, he would punish me by putting that on me, saying that your mom left because of you. Yeah, boy. So after she left, I was, um, because my dad couldn't really take care of me while he was figuring things out, I was sent to live with various different people. They weren't foster families. They were just people that he knew that I was left to live with for a few months here and there. And then with my relatives in Michigan here and there, come back to my dad, then sent to live with somebody else for another few months. I was bouncing around a lot. 
living with people that I didn't know or with my relatives who didn't really care for me because I'm like the black sheep. I'm like tainted, you know? Um, and also we were, my father's family were more fluent. They were more wealthy. They were educated. We were not. I mean, I grew up poor, um, meaning to me, we lived on government in government low-income housing or the projects. Mm-hmm. Um, we lived on food stamps. So I know about the WIC program, WIC, mm-hmm. Women, Infant, and Child program, where we would get our food stamps. Um, and with food stamps, you try to get the most bang for your, well, not buck, but for your yeah. stamp. And yeah. you not yeah. buy the best food because you want to get a lot of food to feed you for you know, a long period of time until you get your next set of food stamps. So that was what my life was living in government housing, low income housing, the projects, whatever you call it, food stamps. Um, we were not educated or my, you know, my family, mom and dad were not educated. So in the eyes of my dad's brothers and sisters and his mom and dad, we were the black sheeps mm. and me being a child that they were stuck to take care of while my dad figures some stuff out. Um, and I've also been told lies that, Oh, your mom's a prostitute. Mm which is not true, but I was told these lies by my father and by his family. So I actually believed my mom was a hooker. And then when people were mad at me, they would tell me, you're going to be a hooker, just like your mom. So that oh was the gosh. internal Can't dialogue be. I grew up with. <laughs> I'm glad you could not- laugh, but holy cow, it's a lot <laughs> of stuff. It is a lot of stuff. And so you can decide to edit whatever you need out. <laughs> <laughs> not to worry. But- yeah. To I say all that, and I'm that transparent because if I could be where I am today with that as my first impression of who I was as a person, this is what I was told that I was. Mm-hmm. I was told that you'll grow up to be a hooker just like your mom. I was told by my family, my dad and my relatives, my dad was definitely more blunt and direct to my face. He would tell me, you're too stupid. You're not worth anything. Um you know, he'll even tell me like, you're ugly, like mm. just all these things. And then my relatives and also my dad, or someone would say in my family, they're blood related. I remember being told at nine years old, when you get older, you should fix your face. You need to get your eyes fixed and your nose fixed because of the way that I looked, I did not look pretty enough because when you're Asian in a Westernized culture, the idea of beauty is based on Western ideals of beauty, straight nose, not Mm. flat. I had small and what people would call slanty eyes. Um, So they wanted me, they thought I would look prettier and Mm. better and more desirable. If I fixed my small eyes to be bigger, Mm -hmm. have eyelids and made my nose smaller and more defined um, and I would be more attractive. So I grew up believing something was wrong with way with the way that I looked mm. um, by my own family. So, so my self-esteem is at an all-time low and mm. it stayed there for decades. Wow. So yes, to your point, I did do a lot of work of self-love and accepting myself as an Asian woman, mm-hmm. not only as an Asian woman, but as a Vietnamese woman, mm-hmm. because I would even get comments from people as an adult, and we can get into this later. Oh, you're pretty for a Vietnamese person. <laughs> How do people get off saying anything like that? Good Lord. I and just... these are people from other Asian cultures telling sure. me this. Right, of which course. It's so sad because we've all been brainwashed to think 
we as Asians or just as of an ethnic culture, we are not good enough, desirable, mm. attractive to be really worth anything. And we should fix all these things to accum- to assimilate to Western ideals of beauty. But mm. that aside, um, going back to being nine years old and being told to get surgery for my eyes and fix my nose, I grew up believing something was wrong with me and that I was stupid. And my mom left me because it was my fault and Mm. I was ugly. And also I will never amount to anything and Mm -hmm. that she even bothered going to college. Um, So that is what I grew up with and I believed it. Yeah. Wow. So this is, and then I, (laughs) then we will step into my dad met a woman who became my stepmother and I mean, if he wasn't bad enough, adding her into the mix was just terrible. Yeah. So she took all of her dislike and poured it onto you, all of her mm-hmm. ugliness. Yes, my stepmom, and, she did. And, and jealousy. And it, on top of what my dad threw on me as well. Um, so, you know, people were throwing their baggage on me and their projection on me, mm. even though I was still learning how to live in this world. I was just born not too yeah. long ago. Yeah. And so uh, I, I want to take a pause and take a yeah. note. And I will say this a few times for those who grew up as survivors of trauma, abuse, um, it is not your fault. That's right. So anyway, but I grew up believing that everything was my fault because I was told that. Mm-hmm. And I was, I would, I was punished for things that were not my fault and people did offload and unload and unpack their baggage and threw it at me. And so with my stepmom, um, her and my father had two, two boys and she was negligent as a mother. And Mm. it was my responsibility to raise her children. When I say raise her children, I raised those boys to the best of my ability as a child to myself. Yeah. So I think when they were born, I was in elementary school. She was on top of that. She was also very severely abusive. Mm. I've spent years of being tortured by her and um, hurt by her. And I sometimes wonder how am I still alive? Mm. <laughs> and then, and it it was it it was bad. Mm-hmm. So. When I say that I raised these two boys, I taught them, I fed them when they were crying at, in the middle of the night, you know, and I, yeah, and I also went to school. I yeah. went to elementary school. So, right. So I did everything but breastfeed them. So I mean, for obvious reasons, yeah. but like I changed their diapers. I, I fed them. I changed their clothes. I bathed them. I, um, when I got home from school, I did all that. I did that when they were sleeping and we were all sleeping. I'd be the one to wake up to take care of them. Um, if they got a diaper rash, you, if they were crying too loud, I would take care of it, but I would also get punished for it. Right. My stepmom saw that my brothers had a diaper rash. It was due to my lack of care and that I didn't do my job. So I would be beaten for that. Mm. So, so now I was not only being beaten for me as who I am, but because I didn't raise these two boys in the way that she thought was good enough, then I would be punished for that as well. Mm. Um, and so as they got older, you know, in terms of child development, you teach them, you teach them how to get potty trained, um, how to read, write. They go to school. You teach them how to, you know, wow. do their homework. 
I was doing all of this as a child myself, but I did it at the hands because if I didn't do it right, I would be beaten for it. Mm. So I lived, my baseline survival mode is survival mode, mm. fight or flight syndrome. I mean, all the way through day in, day out. Um, there, It was always a fear of getting beaten. If I wasn't being hurt or beaten or tortured, it was a good day. Mm. But you always live in fear that everything that you do has high impact and everything you do becomes dramatic because if I didn't do this right, mm -hmm. if I didn't do this perfect, if I did this wrong, I'm going to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. so with that note, that has been unfortunately the through line for my entire life in everything that I've done. Fear of making a mistake, yeah. fear of not being perfect. So that is where it comes from as a child in the most severe way. Yeah. So that was what I grew up with was being abused um, and being punished for not being perfect and not raising children right as a child mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. I also would be punished in, in ways that you're, you'd be surprised. How come you don't have an eating disorder? <laughs> because yeah. a part of my punishment would be if I did something wrong, sometimes it'd be like, she would take out all, not that we had a lot of food, but whatever food was in the pantry or in the refrigerator, she would throw it on the table and force feed me, like force me to eat everything on the table. And if I didn't finish what was on the table, I would get beaten for it. Oh my gosh. How old were you? I was 10, 10? 11. I mean, was, this is through my entire life. So I was a child, you know? So, you know, that, I, it's a miracle why yeah. I'm still alive. It was a miracle why I don't have an eating disorder. I, so anyway, so sometimes things would get so bad um, that I kind of wondered, is this the day that I'm going to die? Oh boy. It was so bad. And because when you get abused like that, if not every day, every other day or every week for, up until you're 18, you think at some point my body's going to give out. Yeah. I don't know if my body and my brain can take us anymore. And you think, and it was so bad. You keep thinking, okay, I can't, this, I'm going to definitely die today because you know, you'd be beaten with a metal rod or a stick oh into a broken gosh. half. You'd be tied to the bed and you know, like it was really bad so that you cannot escape. So I have had a gun point at me to my face and threatened to be shot in my face. I've had, I've been chased with a knife in the house. Wow. So when I say I've been through a lot, it's, mm. it's, I'm not some person that's just like, oh, I was inconvenienced yeah. <laughs> or I just didn't get my way. It was bad. Yeah. So when I say like, there are days where I thought this might be the day that I die at her hand or his hand, my dad. Mm. I, I always wondered, would I know? Mm -hmm. Black out? Do you see a light? Will I feel pain? I ran through that scenario so many times, wondering, waiting to know if I if I passed on, will I know mm -hmm. while I was being hurt and being abused? Um, so that was my life. Yeah. So my sense of value and purpose and um, esteem is just beyond low mm. how did that at some point 
especially as you enter into your teens, we start getting, I mean, thank God for those hormones, we start changing. And you start getting a sense of, you know, no, like this is not going to happen or I'm going to stand up for myself or something. Uh, I don't know. I'm guessing here. What happened? How did you end up shifting? Uh, before you go there, during any of this time, were you still drawing uh, in secret? Now I understand why it was secret. No, it was all put away. No, I didn't have time because I was taking care of the house, meaning mm. like mm. as a child, I would clean, I would help prepare dinner, raise the two boys, do my own homework. I had no time for any creative pursuit or outlet mm. because I was doing so much as a child trying to maintain the household and two boys and and survive. And survive, yeah. like absolutely trying to avoid getting in trouble so that I wouldn't get beaten. Mm. And did the school not notice what was happening to you? No. So you think someone would, I grew up wanting someone to be, wanting to be saved. Yeah. But now my dad wasn't going to save me because he was also the one hurting me and letting it happen. My stepmom wasn't going to save me because she was the one that was making it happen as well, along with my father. Any punishment I got, they both felt like I deserved it. Um, no one stepped in and no one said anything. There was a point in my, when I was in high school, I started to talk to someone because um, I just didn't know who to talk to. My friends, they, they're worrying, they're worried about what boy likes them and what to wear mm -hmm. to school and this kids, the kids that they didn't get or right. yeah. what to wear yeah. for prom or homecoming. Like they don't have a grasp of these things. And I, feel like I could tell them. And when I have mentioned a, a hint of it, I was often disappointed, but they're, they're not supposed to know these things. Mm -hmm. And I was looking for support. I was looking for compassion. I was looking for love. I was looking for someone to save me mm -hmm. and rescue me because as a child, what my option, I, I thought about running away, but I just know like, I'm going to get found, brought back home, beaten for it. And then they're going to put tighter hold on me. I wasn't allowed to watch TV. I think one of the questions was related to like how I, you know, how I got into entertainment. I wasn't allowed to watch TV. I didn't go to movies. Um, I did read a lot of books. Maybe mm -hmm. that was my, my only other creative outlet was reading books. I was a mm -hmm. voracious reader, read a lot of fairy tales. That was my escape. I was mm -hmm. reading Brothers Grimm's or Brother Grimm's fairy tales. I loved fairy tales or like Aesop's fables, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Aesop's fables, Aesop's fables, that yeah. Aesop's fables. Those were my escape. I read Nancy Drew, the Hardy Boys. Um, I my outlet wasn't drawing, but it was reading mm. for sure. Mm -hmm. So um, when did that shift? As I got older, so my stepmom left. <laughs> she left when I was fourteen years old. And left him with the two boys. Wow. She promised me she'd come back. I believed her, you know, and I was holding space for her to come back because I didn't want what happened to me to mm. happen to the boys. So I thought, okay, if my mom left and never came back, but hopefully this woman mm. will come back for her kids and not leave them behind like my mom did with me. And because my mom left me behind, I had a childhood of abuse, violence, and trauma. So my stepmom left. I was 14 years old in high school. I got blamed for that too by my father. Oh so imagine gosh. the beating I got for that one. 
Um, cause now I was being beat for my first mom mm. and now my stepmom, but she, she left because my father was also abusive to her as well. There was yes, no, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I continued to raise the two boys. It wasn't any different, not having her around, to be honest, it didn't it was really change. easier. Yeah. It, it was easier. Cause I wasn't, um, the only person that had to worry about beating me was my dad and not her and my dad. Mm-hmm. She, when I was a junior or senior in high school, there's a summer before college where I was allowed to take an intern apprenticeship at the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center in Seattle, Washington. It's a gen- uh, cancer research center, and I earned or somehow won an internship or apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. Um, I was allowed to, I was awarded this three month stint working under another researcher. And hopefully to write a paper and I didn't get published, but it's okay. Mm -hmm, It was mm -hmm. the intention of learning how to write a paper, a scientific paper based on your own research findings that you were given a little project at the Fred Hutchinson to do. I made some money from that. It was a paid apprenticeship. Mm -hmm, That mm -hmm. money I was hoping to use as seed money to go to college. Um, So for some reason, my dad allowed me to do that. I think it's because I said it was an award and I had to do it for school. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a volunteer thing. So yeah. I think because it was for school and I won this, I got to go. So I did do that, made money. It was, I think I made $900 in three months. I'm like, great, this is money for college if mm-hmm. I get to go. Mm-hmm. My stepmom came out of the woodwork and said she, she would kind of call me, have secret, secret phone calls with me and ask how the kids were doing. Mm-hmm. And she told me that she was in cosmetology school and she was almost done, but um, didn't have enough money to finish. As much as I hated her, oh I understand that women's, women need to be self-sufficient, education, mm-hmm. money, so that they can move forward and out, out of abusive situations so that they can support themselves. A lot of times women end up having to stay because all of the resources are stripped from them. Yeah. The ability to get an education, the ability to earn money, therefore the ability to even work, which handicaps them from having to stay with these bad men mm-hmm. because they need these men to have a roof over their head, to have money for food, to have shelter, clothing, whatever. I knew a way out for women like us was education. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, with education, you need money. Mm-hmm. And I wanted her to be able to get educated, get a job that paid money so she can live on her own, not come back to live with my father, as mm-hmm. terrible as she was to me. I don't know why I was good to her. Mm-hmm. So she could earn enough money, have her own place, come back for her boys, take her kids back, and then be the family without abuse. And was that her plan or something you thought would be the plan? That was her plan, but she was short on money in finishing school. I looked at the money that I just earned and I paid her last tuition so she can finish school. Hmm. All the money I saved that would have been for my college, I saved for her. I gave to her so she can finish her education so that the end game for me was so that she can take the boys back and out of the hands of my father. So I paid for her last tuition. She finished, graduated, got a job. I've heard rumors. She even opened up her own 
um, salon or studio, the boys are still with my father. Mm. He never came back for her kids. So not only did she never come back for her children, I had no money for school. Yeah, I was yeah. fucked. Because mm. my father was not going to support me to go to college. I know. How can I stop right there? Well, it's a good cliffhanger, number one. But number two, Kathy and I really had an extended conversation. And I really didn't want to edit out a lot of the material. And I just felt this was going to really lend itself to a good break and lend itself to a two-parter. Maybe even three, but I think it could be a two-parter. And as you can see already, where she is in her life and how she started out. (laughs) And you see the generosity of her heart giving her stepmom her hard-earned money. And I know she explained that, you know, there was some alternative motives there, but it's really, you know, who she is. Very kind and generous. And I can't wait to share with you part two of this story it's beautiful now look in the meantime take care of yourself do whatever you need to do to make sure you don't get the covid groundhog day blues and when it comes to your art remember if she's doing it why not you (laughs) 